Do you know it was almost one year ago to the day that we were talking about this book that had come out, written by Matthew Perry, uh, called Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, which he revealed, you know, took us behind the scenes of the making of the TV show Friends, uh, his internal struggles, his drug addiction, a very, very revealing uh, book. Uh, we went on all the talk shows, you know, to discuss it and was on Diane Sawyer uh, about it. And then the shocking news from last night. My jaw dropped last night. Yeah. When I heard the news. Yeah. A year, a year ago, almost to the day, we to were the talking day. about the book. Wow. To the day. The book came out November 1st last year. Hmm. And here we are. What is it? Uh, the 29th. 29th of October. Um, just it's It's just beyond belief and the circumstances surrounding it are uh you know just the whole thing is so sad we'll uh talk more about it later on you any happy news for us today do i have happy news that's something to put a smile on our face well we had uh there was a not that not that your mere presence doesn't put a smile on my face (laughs) each and every week (laughs) boy that's the first time i've heard that in 43 years when i run in here every morning so i can't wait to see (laughs) schwanny Get up in the morning. I can't wait to see if oh. he's still wearing that I voted sticker. <laughs> On his members-only jacket. <laughs> no, I, I have you that still have home. that sticker on your uh, jacket? No, I don't. I don't. I'm going to put my I like Ike button on, though, yeah. for uh, just to bother you. I'm going to wear that at, next week. Me. I'm going to wear that at tree time. What? Just for I you. I like Ike? I like Ike. I'll, yes. wear, my, I'll wear my McGovern. Uh, you can wear your McGovern pin. Yes. I, have, I have a McGovern pin. I have a Reagan pin. I collected campaign pins for a while. And how far back did And then I said, uh, why, why am I collecting these? <laughs> <laughs> like most things that I collect. Why I am I go, keeping this? I could go back to Grover Cleveland if you want me to. <laughs> Go back to Grover from Sesame Street. Oh, boy. Uh, That's the first time I've heard that theme song since the news of uh, the passing of Matthew Perry. And it takes on a a special poignancy now, hearing those words, right? I'll be there for you till the rain starts to fall. Uh, Following this horrible news of Matthew Perry's uh, death last night, apparently at his home, uh, the call comes in at about 4 o'clock Pacific time last night to paramedics of a water incident, is how it was uh, referred to. TMZ, you know, say what you want about uh, you know TMZ. It's a gossip website, a celebrity website. They have broken some of the biggest uh, celebrity, you know, emergency news uh, of any other news organization. And they've been accurate. And they have been completely accurate. Uh, they were the ones that actually broke the story last night, where they reported uh, that a call uh, was made to paramedics for a water incident at this address. They didn't know it was Matthew Perry's house at first. Uh, then a report of a cardiac uh, arrest call. Uh, they arrive. They find the body in the jacuzzi. He was in his jacuzzi, uh, unresponsive. They tried to revive him unsuccessfully, and uh, the police then uh, confirmed that uh, it's Matthew Perry and that he had passed away uh, at the age of 54, is that right? Yeah, 54. 54 years old. Um, no drugs were found on site. That's, I think that's the first thing that 
almost anybody thought of. You know, were there drugs on site? There weren't. Were not. Uh, there were no signs of foul play. Uh, so we're not going to know really what happened here. Shwani, it takes a pretty long time to get that. They're going to have to wait for autopsy or toxicology reports. Toxicology reports do take, um, you know, some time here. And certainly you want to be, you know, very thorough with uh, someone, you know, a high-profile person like this. Uh, So, you know, they they will take their time, again, to be accurate and to get it right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we may not know until tomorrow, perhaps. Oh, I'll I'll bet it's going to be longer than that. Maybe Tuesday, yeah. I'll I'll bet it's going to be longer than that. Um, But uh, that's that's really all that we know so far. Uh, His parents arrived, Matthew Perry's parents, uh, long since divorced, arrive at the house, uh, you know, grief-stricken, obviously. Uh, they made no comment. Uh, there have been no comments. There have been, been plenty of reaction about this, but uh, nothing from his friends' co-stars. Uh, it's unlikely that we'll hear from any of them for a little while. I'm sure they're more in shock than any of the rest of us. But, uh, you know, that's that's where we are right now. And as, as I said, uh, almost to the day, one year after his book came out, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, in which he revealed uh, the extent of his major, major uh, fall into addiction with drugs, with alcohol, with uh, opioids. Uh, He had said in the book that at one point he had spent $7 million Mm. on rehab, and that he had relapsed 60 or 70 times. As a result of his uh, drug use, massive drug use, he uh, his colon burst, uh, and he had to have uh, surgery for that, for which he was in a coma for almost a week, spent five months in a hospital, and was given a 2% chance of survival hmm. following his colon rupture. Uh, so, but, you know, he said, after, you know, in all those interviews that he did about the book, that he beat it, he finally uh, is off drugs, and that he's doing fine. And uh, you know, who, uh, you know who knows? Who knows? Uh, people uh, who are close to him, sources, uh, say that he played two hours of pickleball yesterday. That he played pickleball. He was a, a you know tennis player for years. He played two hours of pickleball yesterday. Friends saw him at a restaurant, uh, and he seemed to be fine. Eerily, he posted a picture of himself in the hot tub, in the jacuzzi, two days ago Mm. at his house. It's a picture of him, just, you know, how any of us would be in a a jacuzzi, you know, arms kind of cradled on the side of it, just, you know, relaxing. And it was captioned with something like, oh, the warm water, you know, something like that. Um and um you know so everything seemed fine it's it, the 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 picture in the hot tub look he looked fine uh the pictures uh, at the restaurant he looked fine this was just a couple of days ago uh you know you you, you can't be too uh, you know out of it if you're playing 2 hours of pickleball right yeah that's that's so uh, you know fairly active so you know, I don't know. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to speculate, but this is what we know so far. 
tremendous loss. An amazing uh, actor, an amazing, amazing comedic actor. I mean, his legacy on Friends uh, will never be matched. Uh, all of the characters were great on the show, but I think somehow we especially were drawn to Chandler Bing because he was he was just always that lovable, <laughs> sarcastic, uh, not loser, but he was just he just could never get out from behind the eight ball. Yeah, you know, like he couldn't get out of the way of life, uh, and um, it's kind of ironic that you know the more we learned about his personal life. It was a little bit the same, where he could never, you know, he just had one thing thrown at him after another, which I think is kind of also what makes this so sad, that he finally seemed to get his life together, and then this horrible thing happens. You know, the show, because it's in reruns, pretty much everywhere you look, including the Channel 9, has kind of uh, brought on a, a very new generation. I mean, there. I mean, that was during my. That was in the wheelhouse of me being uh, in radio early in my career. But younger people. I mean, my nieces are watching the show, yeah. and they're eighteen and sixteen, and they're you know they they repeat lines to me because of how popular the show was, and some of it uh, some of it carries carries over till today. You know, I mean, some of the the situations that they're in are, are still sure. you know relevant today, and the writing on that show was unbelievable. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writing. Uh, I noticed while we were you know just talking about all of this, producer Jack, who is maybe one or two years younger, uh, Shwani, than uh, you and I. Yeah, I uh, would have to say <laughs> so, yes. Just, just a couple. It, Certainly his, younger than you. In dog, <laughs> in dog years. <laughs> anyway. Uh, shaking his head in acknowledgement. I mean, you, you, what's your age, Jack? You're 20, 26. Six. But you, obviously, you must have been a fan of the show as well, just by judging by how you were reacting while we were talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've watched it, you know, like the Andy said, reruns. My sister likes it a lot, so like I've watched it with her. So, yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw your post yesterday. That's how I found out about it. So yeah. I was like, whoa, like you. I was like, we out of nowhere. Yeah. It was shocking. I, I went to dinner last night. Yeah, you guys remember Russell's Barbecue Bowl? Oh, yeah. Out in Elmwood Park? Uh, I was I was out that way, and I was like, I'm going to stop at Russell's and have some barbecue. Yeah, it, was ni- it was nice. It was a nice experience. But I'm just finishing up at Russell's. I looked down at my phone, and there's the bulletin. And like, I, I literally, I was like stopped in, in what I was doing. It's like, I can't believe this news. And, uh, yeah. So that post that you saw that I put on social media was made with barbecue finger barbecued sauce on my fingers. <laughs> it's good, all, it's all good over to get the, in, phone. the behind the scenes. Yeah, that, how how it happened. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> you never know what's going on behind a post. But I had barbecue sauce all over my fingers right right about then. Um, yeah, it it definitely uh, is a story. I think that hits uh, all generations. Uh, it's just it's just terribly sad. I mean, as he had a, a outside of friends. Uh, he made a couple of really great movies. Whole Nine Yards, remember that? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. with uh, Bruce Willis mm-hmm. and Fools Rush In, with uh, Salma Hayek. Seventeen again. I interviewed him for Seventeen again with uh, Zac Efron. Uh, that was in two thousand and nine. But uh, he was he was uh, on on the West Wing. He was on Good Wife. I was just going to say I thought I remembered him playing a role on the West Wing. Yeah, he I think he was nominated for an Emmy Award. Yeah, for, for that. He was nominated also for Friends, 
but uh, as he said during one of those interviews last year, when he was talking about the book, I haven't won a damn thing, <laughs> <laughs> which was the case. Um, he was uh, he had a couple of uh, TV series after Friends. One was called Mr. Sunshine. One was called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. I don't even remember either. Oh, either. But I do remember uh, they brought back the odd couple. He and Thomas Lennon, who plays Lieutenant Dangle on Reno 911. Really funny actor from Oak Park also, by the way, Thomas Lennon. Uh, they starred as uh, Felix and Oscar in hmm. the remake of The Odd Couple that lasted for a few years. So... Uh, Tremendous talent gone, uh, but uh, boy, it just it just breaks your heart when you know somebody trying to trying to get their life straight and apparently is, is on that path, and then one more thing comes along that ends it all. Uh, just very very sad. Got a favorite Friends episode? There's too many to mention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just yeah. too many. To just mention. trying to think of my favorite Chandler episodes. Do you remember the one where he uh, is in a restaurant with a woman, and they were <laughs> they went to the bathroom? Oh yeah, and he takes all his clothes that off. That was Julia Roberts was in that episode. Uh, yeah, that was uh, she was getting back at him for pulling down her pants in in grade school. Yeah, <laughs> she was Susie Underpants for till she was seventeen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is the one where he gets uh, he gets stuck? At, that's the one where he gets stuck in the bathroom stall with no clothes on. Yeah, and then the, he has the one during the blackout where he gets stuck in the ATM, ATM. vestibule with ATM. Uh, Jill Goodacre. Yeah, some really hilarious, great he, stuff. It was su- he was such a good character. Oh. So I mean, it's brilliant writing, but it's his, his brilliant acting. Uh, I'm going to open up the phones later on and get some of your reaction. Uh, you know, remembrances, your favorite episodes. Uh, we're going to be talking about Matthew Perry this morning, and we will also get to today's far-flung forecast next this year as well when we go to uh, tree time. Uh, if anyone's got the right price, I'm willing to sell Schwanee to anybody who wants. You don't mind that, do you? Get rid of me once and for all. Yeah, if I can get a good price on you. Are you going to put a blue light up somewhere in the... Uh... Oh, they've got a lot of nice holiday decorations. We've got all kinds of lights we can put on you. <laughs> we should do that this year. How fun you would that be? tried to shoot an apple off my head one year. How about let's have a let's decorate Schwanee. You gave me the oh. wrong directions one other place, and I showed up in, in uh, Bloomington instead of Barrington. Oh, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bee summer. And asked where you were. No. Okay. How fun would that be if we wrapped you up in lights, <laughs> put a big angel on your head? <laughs> the one that turns around yeah. and plays Silent Night or yeah. something like that? Well, because, you know, the one hour of the show that from 11 to 12, uh, we're going to only be on Facebook Live because uh, Hamp and OB and Andy will be uh, broadcasting. Uh, I will be on the radio. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to Facebook Live so we can do all kinds of fun we vis- can visual things. Something like that, too. I'll have to think of something for you. What do you, what do you mean? Well, you know. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to work on that this week. Elton Jim always shows up dressed in lights and brooches. <laughs> and festive, yes. Festive. <laughs> festiveness. <laughs> Mr. Festive. That would be so much fun. By the way... Um, Put some tinsel on we, your nose. <laughs> we were going to do a far-flung forecast here. Oh, yes. I, I remember that. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. Thank you, Jack. No, I did that. So are, we, are you 
Are you going to do the introduction here? <laughs> you are okay. You are pushy today. Good morning. It's everybody. time for the far flung forecast. Blah 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 blah. Thank blah. you so much. You forgot his green M and M's too. You're the nicest guy in the whole wide great. world. This is going to be great next week. Good morning, everyone. Here's Dave get, Schwan. Get out your <laughs> compasses and protractors. Blah, blah 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 blah. Because today we're going away out west. To Bodie, California. I love when you do accents. Way out west, partner. <laughs> Bodie, California. He sounds just like John Wayne. <laughs> I tell you, Pilgrim. I tell you. <laughs> you know how many people live in Bodie? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. What's, take a guess at the population of 134. Bodie. Nope. Lower. Ten. Look, we're late Lower. for the news already. Just tell us. Population of zero. Oh. That's because it's a ghost town. Ooh. And it is considered one of the spookiest places in all of the United States. Oh, I get it, because Halloween's coming up. That's exactly right. It's famed for its paranormal phenomena. During the gold rush of the 1870s and 80s, the population peaked at 10,000, but is now abandoned. Is anybody else hearing this music or is it just me? (laughs) Mysteries abound with reports of apparitions and spectral music echoing from the town's closed down bars. Bodie, California is also a state park. It is east of Yosemite National Park, one of the most beautiful places on earth. And this might surprise you, it's mighty cold in Bodie right now. It's 13 degrees. That's because they're in the mountains. They're going to bo- have a high Bodie, only 47. My Bodie's kind of cold, too. My Bodie lies over the ocean. <laughs> Bodie, California. You know what I just did a minute ago? I shake, shake, shake my Bodie. <laughs> yeah, that sure was a sight, let me tell you. Let me hear your Bodie talk. Shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake your Bodie. <laughs> Bodie, California. Going up to a high of 47. And we welcome in Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Central DuPage Hospital. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Dean. I guess uh, fall is here, huh? Yeah, it's uh, almost winter-like. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty chilly outside. But uh, yeah, it's crisp, invigorating. Um, but sad news this morning, uh, following the news of... The death of Matthew Perry, uh, as we were saying earlier, it's uh, far too early to uh, speculate as to the actual cause of death. Uh, But I did want to ask a couple of questions uh, regarding his uh, medical history, which uh, involves uh, severe uh, drug use, severe alcohol abuse, uh, the misuse uh, and overuse of uh, opioids, uh, such that he was hospitalized for five months after a ruptured colon uh, that left him with a 2% chance of survival following that surgery. He was in the hospital for uh, five months uh, following all of that. So given uh, all of this, what, you know, and he says that he, he finally licked it after relapsing 60 times uh, in uh, rehab, uh, after spending $7 million on rehab that he says that he finally licked it when his book came out last year. Uh, but what kind of cumulative effect does that much drug and alcohol abuse have on a person's body 
Where does that leave them in trying to lead a normal life following kicking the addiction? Yeah, it's difficult. And like you said, sad that that it ended this way. Um, When we look at people with long-term use of drugs and alcohol, one of the biggest things we look at is the liver. The liver is this detoxification organ in our body. And when we damage it to a point where we go into liver failure, we really have major, major problems. That's one. Two, uh, it it has a long-term impact on your brain, not only your cognitive functions, but also all the things that the brain is responsible for, which includes breathing and includes your heartbeat. And so we know that people who have long-term issues with that can have breathing problems, can have cardiovascular problems, and can have liver problems. Not surprising that he had the colon issues. You know, we know that there is the colon and and, uh, small intestine as well as large intestine dysfunction with opioid use. Um, You know, he beat that, and then, uh, unfortunately, you know, what happened yesterday. What about uh, effects on the heart? Yeah, absolutely. He can have long-term cardiovascular complications, not only with the heart rhythm, but the heart can fail. So you can go into heart failure because of the uh, drug abuse. So certainly um, drug, uh, drugs will impact the heart in a long-term effect. So, you know, the alcohol a little bit more on the liver than on the heart, but certainly would be on the heart as well. But certainly the opioids on a long-term effect can cause long-term heart failure. And all of this Uh, you know, years after any uh, actual taking of any of the drugs or alcohol. He said that he was clean, said that he had had been sober for a very long time, but all of these things still having a cumulative effect years after actually taking the drugs? Well, certainly we know that the liver can do a couple things. One, it kind of can rally, um, but also if it gets to a point where it completely fails, that's why we do liver transplants in individuals. Um, But sometimes stopping the drug and stopping the alcohol, the liver can come back and function almost normally. The heart, however, is going to be more of long-term. Once we do damage to the heart, whether it be from a heart attack or whether it be from drug use, the heart doesn't regenerate itself. So we have to learn to live with the failing heart that we have. Now, that being said, you know, since he died in a hot tub, did he go into an arrhythmia where he lost consciousness? That's very possible. Did he stop breathing? Very possible. A lot of speculation as to what exactly occurred at that time. But when you look at the long-term effects of the drugs that he was on between the opioids and the alcohol, it certainly would make sense that this is going to end up being a cardiovascular incident. Yeah, the unconfirmed reports from source, going to quote sources, uh, say that he drowned in the jacuzzi. Uh, so, you know, we we don't know. It would, we would be completely speculative of saying, how did that happen? Uh, that's something that we would have to wait for. It, would it be toxicology reports, full autopsy? How do they determine uh, what may have happened to Matthew Perry? Yeah, you, you hit the two things right there. They would do toxicology to see if there was any drugs in the system that would have caused him to lose consciousness and slide, or then they will also look at his heart and lungs to see, did he go into an arrhythmia? Was there heart damage noted there? And is was there something going on with his lungs as well? So it'll be a full autopsy. I would imagine it'll be a full autopsy with the toxicology. Would it have made any difference that he was in a jacuzzi, you know, a pool of generally pretty hot water, uh, I know when I've gotten into jacuzzis, 
you know, I feel my heart racing a little bit when I, you know, when you get in because it's, uh, you know, it's a different temperature. Could that have had uh, any play, play to factor at all? Certainly. When we get into uh, that jacuzzi, get into that warm water, our body vasodilates. In other words, we get, you can almost feel how flush you get. When that happens, your blood pressure will drop a little bit. So if it just happened as soon as he got in and his blood pressure dropped and he couldn't respond to that, that certainly could could happen. Um, So not unusual that you do feel that flush feeling when you get in. The body has to pump blood now to all, all the extremities a lot more than it normally would. And you do see a slight dip in your blood blood pressure at that time. Uh, he was uh, an avid tennis player, always had been. Uh, sources close to him say that he played two hours of pickleball yesterday uh, before before going home and getting into the hot tub. Uh, could that have had uh, some effect on any of this? No, actually, that would almost take the opposite view, right? That he still was uh, active, that he was still working the muscles, working on his balance, doing all the things that we should do and get out and be active. So if you would have told me, hey, he had been an active tennis player and had not played for a period of time, showing me, oh, maybe his heart was failing. Maybe he was having difficulty with activities. But for him to go out and play an activity for two hours prior to that, almost shows you that he still was in fairly good shape. Pickleball's not as active. I know people are going to laugh saying you know, it's not as active as tennis or running, or, but certainly it is active if you do it. So um, would that have stressed his heart to a point? Probably would have happened while he was playing pickleball instead of hours later. Yeah, I mean, he was 54 years old. I mean, he, you know, uh, slowing down like we all do when we get a little older, right? To Instead of f- full, full court tennis, but pickleball is still pretty active, though. I mean, you're still uh, raising your cardiovascular uh, system up by, by playing the game, which, you know, makes me believe, uh, you know, people are wondering, you know, did he get back on drugs? Did he did he uh, relapse? But if you're that active, uh, you know, playing pickleball, which he did all the time, apparently, according to sources, you couldn't have been too relapsed in order to have that much physical activity, I would think. Yeah, you know, it really varies again. And, and drug abuse, unfortunately, has this wide spectrum, and it's very difficult to say. And like we said, we'd be speculating. But certainly if he's playing an activity on a real regular basis and interacting with people, we'd say, oh, that's a very good sign. But, I mean, I hate to tell people, but looking out, you, you see people who are drug addicts that you don't even know who are drug addicts, you know, that they are taking, whether it be opioids or cocaine, that you don't even know that that's individuals. When you look at how many people actually have drug abuse in this country, you would be surprised at the number of people that you probably interact with on a regular base, basis who abuse drugs inappropriately. So whether it be alcohol or drugs, but certainly we know that him just being able to do an activity would not neglect, neglect that he could still have gone back and, and was abusing. Yeah, we hear so much about the uh, abuse of opioids. Uh, that is, despite everything that's been said about them and the danger about them, that's still a major problem, isn't it, in the general population? Oh, it's an, uh, an enormous problem. I mean, I can't even say how big the problem is. Just look at the number of overdoses that we continue to see. You know, individuals, we would hope that now people start to have Narcan in their homes on a regular basis. We, you know, we started out where that used to be a prescription. Then we put it in first responders. Now we have it in 
in vending machines in the city of Chicago. I mean, we want to make sure that that medication is out there because opioids, unfortunately, stop the breathing and, you know, you will die pretty quickly with an opioid overdose. However, with Narcan, the simple spray of the Narcan into the nose, the ejection of the Narcan, that will reverse the uh, effects of that opioid and is life-saving for those individuals who are abusing and still haven't gotten to a point where they're ready to quit or they're ready to accept that they have a problem. You can still, you know, save their life and give them another opportunity to um, turn their life around. Let me uh, take a break and uh, we'll talk about some other health headlines when we come back with Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. If you want to jump in with a question or comment, 312-981-7200. Dean Richards, Sunday morning with Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Executive, uh, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage uh, Hospital. Uh, each week, Kevin, even before you come on the show, uh, the questions start pouring in, and I would say like 95% of them still are about vaccinations, about boosters. Uh, people still not 100% clear on what they should be doing. You know, I, I did this. Should I be doing that? Uh, One that came in this morning said, with all the recent discussions about the risk in getting both COVID and flu vaccines together, does it seem likely they will combine as one vaccine in the future? First of all, I thought you said that there is no risk of uh, taking the COVID and flu vaccine together. Is there some controversy about that? No, no, none at all. So, you know, you might get a little bit worse side effects, but as far as the effectiveness of the vaccines, they both work well getting them together. Getting them together actually even in the same arm is fine. So I'm not sure where that question came from, but really I think it is going to be the two shots will be put together, I think, here, if not next year, the year after. That's for sure. A large study is going on right now. And the initial responses and the initial findings of that study are very promising because we have to remember that, like I said, the two vaccines can be given at the same time. We just had to make sure that they could stay in the syringe and not interact with each other, which is not surprising that they didn't. Because as you remember, with the flu vaccine, you actually have four different uh, variants that you're getting vaccinated for when you get your flu vaccine. So this would just be adding the COVID to that. You you had uh, mentioned to me that a flu vaccine for home could be on the horizon, a flu mist that we would self-administer? Yeah, how about that? You know, we're really starting to look at what can we do in the home more and more. Now, if flu mist, which is available still, right? We, we, had, we had a couple years where flu mist went out. It didn't look to be effective. They reformulated it and it came back and it's working well now. So individuals who are afraid of needles can go into the pharmacist and get the flu vaccine via the mist given by the pharmacist or health professional Mm. doctor's office. But what they're looking at right now and testing right now is can we just deliver that straight to the individual in the home and let them self-administer it? Very easy to just put the squeezer in your nose. Often people do it for allergy medicines. They'll be able to self-vaccinate. Anything that we can do to get more people vaccinated is great. That one is probably going to be very interesting and probably will be out next year. Yeah, uh, talking about the pharmacy, there's been all this talk about uh, Walgreens uh, pharmacists uh, doing a work uh, stoppage. Uh, What do people do if they depend on getting their prescriptions from Walgreens and there's a work stoppage and they can't get their meds? Yeah. 
So one thing I would do, and we have to understand that it's more than Walgreens now. If you look what happened just over the last couple of days, uh, Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid, all of those pharmacists are kind of rallying together in support. And I think the interesting thing people have to understand is one of the things, they're not asking for more money. They feel that they're fairly compensated. What they're looking for is they need better staffing, that they are too busy with the current staffing patterns that Walgreens holds up right now. So what I would tell individuals right now, if you're getting close to the end of your prescription and you get it from Walgreens, I would get it filled because you don't want to run out, go to the pharmacist and say, oh, we don't have a pharmacist this day. And this walkout could happen as early as tomorrow, but we all expect it to happen sometime this week. I think the pharmacists are going to take the professional viewpoint and make sure that it's, it makes a point, gets their point across, but doesn't impact people's health. It may be a disruption for a day or two, but I don't think this is something where we're going to be like the auto workers shutting down plants. Yeah, it's a disturbing one. Uh, 708 area code says, my granddaughter was admitted to Central DuPage Hospital on Thursday after eating a poisonous mushroom. She's okay because of the excellent care. But how often does that happen? Well, I don't even think I've ever heard. I mean, I've, I've heard in fairy tales where you eat poisonous things. I don't think yeah. I've I don't think I've ever heard that in real life before. Wow. Well, I'm glad she's doing well and very fortunate at Central Page. I'm very proud. We have a, a partnership with Lurie Children's Hospital, so we have a pediatric intensive care unit as well as uh, Lurie doctors there, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, taking care of anybody from. Little kids all the way up to, you know, 17, 18-year-olds. But uh, the poisonous mushrooms, certainly we know that there are mushrooms out there that are psychedelic, that are medicated, excuse me, that are abused. Um, so this individual may have gotten one. I don't know how old the individual is, but I'm, I'm glad they got great care. And, again, that's one where you want to make sure you have a pediatric intensivist. We're looking at your liver because sometimes that can impact, those mushrooms can impact your liver and put you into liver failure, mm. and then also impact your kidneys. So glad we took great care of her, and I'm glad she's doing well for he. Glad you could join us, as always. Dr. Kevin Most, Chief Medical Officer, Central DuPage Hospital. Have a great Sunday, Kevin. You got it, Dean. We'll see you next Sunday. Did he say freeze? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. How dare him. And I've actually seen predictions for a low temperature overnight of 29 degrees. A freeze warning goes into effect at midnight. Great. Until 9 a.m. the following morning. Guess I'm done with sunbathing in the backyard. (laughs) (laughs) Said the neighbors. Said my neighbors. I was going to say it should have stopped before it started. My neighbors saying, thank goodness, finally. We can open shielding our, their children. We can open your... our blinds again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look in his yard. Uh, so next Sunday, you ready? Yes. I can't wait. I'm excited. I am too. Uh, next Sunday is you sound. Our... You sound thrilled. I am thrilled. <laughs> thrilled as I ever get. You sound, yeah, yeah, right. No, I'm, I'm excited. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> uh, I'll be there. Schwani will be there. Andy unable to join us because he'll be uh, uh, babysitting Hampton OB. Yeah, I'll still be here doing sports uh, on the on the program. Oh, for a little while. He'll be with us in spirit. Yeah. Okay, uh, but not with us physically. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, uh, Elton Jim Toronto will be there because he's always uh, a blast, and uh, all of you. We always have a great time. We've got live entertainment. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a wedding. 
looks like it's going to be more vow renewals than actual weddings. I, I wanted, to, I was hoping we were going to actually be able to do a wedding, but I don't know why nobody wants to get married at a Christmas tree store. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like the right place for me. Seems romantic to me. Yeah, uh, but plenty of people want to renew their vows, so we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. You're not going to wrap me up in a bunch of lights. Either. I cannot guarantee that that will not happen. <laughs> We love the unpredictability factor. Yes, and there was several years ago plenty of that when you were going to shoot an apple off of my head. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and all along, I'm thinking, how is what's going to happen? Yeah, because I never told you what my you plan was. Not he you was did so not. nervous. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's the fun. I still have that picture. The giant poster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did put an apple on the uh, giant poster of Shawnee, and I shot it with the bow and arrow. And uh, you missed. Yeah. Well, no, I there's a, a there was a there was an arrow hole right through my cheek. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> practice makes perfect. <laughs> you needed a lot of practice, that's for sure. So we'll be on the air here on this uh, radio device uh, from nine to eleven. And then Hampton Obi and Andy mm-hmm. will take over at 11. And then we go to Facebook Live. We'll continue the show on Facebook Live, both on the WGN radio page and also on my page, Dean Richards WGN. You'll be able to not only hear the program, but also see it. Uh, and that's when we'll wrap Schwani and the Christmas lights and do, you know, we'll do visual things that we normally can't do on the program from 11 to 12. And then we'll come back on the air on the radio at 12 o'clock to complete the show. We had a lot of people watching the Facebook segment That's what I last heard. year. Yeah. 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 If I would have known that, I would have put something interesting on. But <laughs> who yeah, knew? You were normally in your bland attire. Who knew? Don't wear your sunbathing outfit. No, I've got a special outfit planned okay. for the event. Uh, I'm uh, super excited. It's next week out at Tree Time Christmas Tree Creations uh, on Pepper Road in Lake Barrington, We start at 9 a.m. and we'll be there until 1. We'll look forward to seeing you there. 1,200 times. One of the great television characters of all time, Chandler Bing, on uh, the television show Friends that ran 1994 till 2004. 234 episodes. Matthew Perry was on all 234 of the episodes. I'm sure you've heard the news, uh, found dead at his home in uh, Southern California at the age of 54 uh, in his jacuzzi. Uh, The circumstances uh, surrounding his death are unknown at this time. We probably won't know for a while till toxicology reports are done, autopsies are done, so they can determine what may have happened. Uh, But he was found uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, in his home, and the investigations continue. The uh, reaction continues. What was uh, you guys? What was it? What were your reactions when you uh, heard the news? Yeah, I was a little stunned. I mean, it, uh, you don't think of people that young still having you know, dying and just all of a sudden being gone. You know, yeah, I mean, sudden death, fifty-four. Yeah, and plus, you know, I, that was a, a show that. You know, maybe like you guys with Andy Griffith, I and mean, not to not to joke about it, but I mean, that was. One of those shows that uh, pretty much defined my, uh, you know, middle, uh, you know, my twenties and thirties. Yeah, I mean. yeah. I mean, it, it was really it was so so much a part of uh, culture. In a way, I uh, 
uh, kind of compare it to the death of John Lennon, where John Lennon was so much a part of our lives, Mm -hmm. if you're of a certain age. And when he died, part of our own youth uh, died. Remember that, Schwani? When Vividly. you know when when that happened, yes. I th- I, th- I think it's a similar kind of comparison. Now. Vividly, absolutely. Uh, you know, when you have someone of that popularity and that high a profile uh, dying suddenly like this, of course, yes, it changes yeah. everything. Immediately, I thought when when I saw the bulletin come over uh, that he had died, I thought, you know, given his uh, extensive history with drugs and addiction that uh, you know that may have been what caused it we just we won't know and i I hate to even speculate uh we won't know until we learn more about this Uh, but the more that we learn about it we talked with dr kevin most about the cumulative effect that uh that kind of addiction that kind of drug and alcohol use can have on a person's body even if they've stopped using uh, there, there are lots of uh, factors, but I was just in complete shock. Literally, yeah. my jaw dropped open uh, when I heard the news. Um, and there's all kinds of reaction uh, from friends and co-stars. Uh, his childhood friend, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, although he, uh, Matthew Perry, was born in America when his parents divorced, his mother, a Canadian moved back to Canada, so he lived in Canada for a while, and was childhood friends with Justin Trudeau, who uh, tweeted this morning, I know it's not tweet anymore, but you you know what I mean, said, I'll never forget the schoolyard games we used to play, and I know people around the world are never going to forget the joy that he brought them. Matthew Perry had said in an interview that uh, when he was a, a, a kid with Justin Trudeau, that... Uh, they knew people, other kids on the playground, who used to say things like, "It couldn't have been more." <laughs> you know, some of the some some of the Chandler Bing isms were born on that <laughs> playground uh, when they were little kids. Uh, Maggie Wheeler, who played his on again, off again girlfriend Janice on the show. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. Remember her? <laughs> oh, yeah. What a loss! The world will miss you, Matthew Perry. The joy you brought to so many in your short lifetime will live on. I feel so blessed by every creative moment. Last night during her Las Vegas show, Adele stopped the show and remembered uh, Matthew Perry, saying what a brave uh, and courageous man he was. Um, Saturday Night Live did uh, a little tribute to him the end of the show last night they put up one of those slides you know how they put the, they do of the co-hosts uh, matthew perry had uh, guest hosted in 1997 and they paid tribute to him selma blair paying tribute morgan fairchild who played his well he played his fa- he played his father who transitioned to becoming a woman morgan fairchild uh, she uh, tweeted a reaction mira servino i mean just uh, you know, everybody is reacting. None of the Friends co-stars yet uh, responding to any of this, but terribly sad news. There's also a memorial uh, in Lower Manhattan in front of the Grove Street building that was used oh. as the exterior, the front for yeah. the uh, location of the apartment. Interesting. There, uh, fans have been gathering there, placing flowers in front of the building and lighting candles uh, since last night after the after the news broke. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. On our text line, people are, are remembering Matthew Perry. Uh, 708, Matthew Perry was my favorite Friends character. Also loved him on The Odd Couple. 
and was sad to see it canceled. It got canceled after three seasons. He co-starred with Thomas Lennon on that show. Um, yeah, that was it. Was a you know it was a good show. Um, let me see here. Uh, another seven hundred eight area code. I saw it on Instagram last night, and I was in shock when I saw the news. Uh, here is another uh, saying. Uh, let me see here. I thought I thought uh, the same thing for the next generation. It will be when people on Friends die, and our generation. If it it was as if each Beatle has died. Well, I, I mean, I mm-hmm. definitely remember that with John Lennon because we felt uh, we, you know, we just felt like part of our youth. We all grew up listening to the Beatles, and we when uh, John Lennon died, we part of our youth died. And I think for a lot of people, grew up watching Friends, uh, generations, uh, you know. And when something like this happened, part of their part of their youth also is uh, you know is dying. I want to open up the phone lines and just get uh, your favorite Friends episode. We were uh, talking about uh, some of those the the wedding episodes when Monica and Chandler were keeping their relationship a secret. <laughs> were some of the best episodes I remember. Monica and Chandler were taking a bath together, and, and Joey Joey bursts into the bathroom. Monica ducks under the water. I don't know if he wanted a chicken. And a chicken, and Chandler goes, uh, no, no chicken. And then suddenly, as though he's getting pinched or something under the water, Jess, chicken, chicken, I do want chicken. Um, 312-981-7200. Uh, for your thoughts about this, for your favorite Friends episodes, mostly, I want to remember uh, Matthew Perry's uh, contributions and the laughs that he gave us in some of your favorite moments. 312-981-7200 when we come right back. Remembering uh, Matthew Perry, your favorite episodes, your favorite uh, moments. Uh, 815 area code said the Pink Bunny episode was hilarious. That was actually on uh, WGN TV on Channel 9 uh, last night. You know, We run Friends reruns. And uh, last night, ironically, as this news was breaking about the death of Matthew Perry, that was one of the episodes, the um, Halloween uh, episode. Uh, 773 uh, says, the third nipple episode where <laughs> Chandler reveals that he had a third nipple. Uh, also very good. Uh, 708, uh, the one where nobody's ready for Ross's event. Oh, yeah. That was uh, also uh, an outstanding one. Uh, I love this one. Uh, 312 Area Code said, they're watching old um, home movies, and Monica is clearly very chubby, uh, Monica, you know, from back in the day. And Monica says, you know, the camera adds 10 pounds. And Chandler said, (laughs) how many cameras were on you? That's genius writing. Oh, it's awesome. It's genius writing, but uh, the way that Matthew Perry, uh, you know, delivers it uh, made made all the difference. Uh, one favorite, uh, here's 847, one favorite Matthew Perry episode uh, was uh, Chandler and Joey don't leave their lazy boy chairs. Uh, such fun. Remember they had like sort of like like an old west shootout where they would shoot up their yeah. the legs on their like, ah. on their lazy <laughs> Those two together. I mean, there. I think that's the uh, that was kind of the magic of the character. Oh, yeah. That they, they were all so lovable, even with their quirks. But the Chandler Bing character in particular. 
uh, you just you just wanted to hug him. You know, you just wanted to, you know, help him because he was just always seemed like he was uh, in peril. Uh, 847 says, friends was the best. Matthew Perry was my favorite. Could I be any more sad? Yeah, I've gotten, <laughs> gotten quite a few more, uh, quite a few texts, uh, uh, you know, like that is kind of his uh, signature line that uh, he would throw out all the time. Uh, favorite episode when he goes to tell his father that he's getting married. I, I, I think I said before that uh, I, I, I misstated uh, uh, who, who the mother and who the father was. One, one of them uh, had transitioned, had became it transgender. Dad, yeah. It was the dad, but um, pl- played by Kathleen Turner. That was brilliantly, too. Yeah, it was Kathleen Turner who played uh, uh, Chandler's father on the movie. So thank you for the correction on that. Um, what else? I've just the the text line is jammed with uh, people, uh, you know, putting uh, you know their their favorite episodes on here. Uh, where else did uh, I saw some other? Now there there are just you know some fantastic memories here. Uh, the uh, the uh, one where uh, Andy, the one that you were talking about, where mm-hmm. he gets stuck in an ATM. There's a power outage in New York, yep. and he gets stuck in an ATM with Jill Goodacre. Uh, you know, supermodel, uh, the one where he gets, gets stuck in the naked. He gets stuck. He's naked and he gets stuck in a men's room. Uh-huh. Uh, another classic episode. There are just some classic uh, Chandler Bing episodes out there. And his uh, amazing talent uh, will be missed. Uh, you know, we'll, of course, see them in Friends. And we'll stay up uh, up to date on, you know, what's going on with his very untimely death and uh, report that to you just as soon as we know. It's John Williams Middays on WGN. And my show sounds best on the WGN app. Download it and make us the first button on your digital dashboard. See how at WGNRadio.com. 46 degrees, cloudy skies at 1031. Good morning. I'm Dave Schwan. The news is sponsored by TreeTime.com. One person is in custody after 15 people are shot at a Halloween party, two of them critically. WGN Sports. The Bears play Los Angeles tonight. Our pregame is at 6 o'clock this evening with Hamp OB and Andy Mazur. Postgame at 10.30 here on 720 WGN and WGNRadio.com. We also have an NFL doubleheader. The first game today is at 11.30. It's the Rams at Dallas, followed by Cleveland at Seattle. WGN traffic. Just a couple slow spots to report on the Kennedy. A slow inbound between Central and Montrose and outbound between Augusta and Damon. Chicago police say 15 people were shot at a Halloween party overnight in the Lawndale neighborhood. One person is in custody. Two people, a man and a woman, are in critical condition at Mount Sinai Hospital. This taking place near West 13th and South Pulaski. As many as 100 people were at that event. Internet connectivity is being restored in the Gaza Strip. Gaza went offline Friday after Israel launched its heaviest attack since the war began earlier this month and cutting off the Palestinian area. Humanitarian aid organizations said they were struggling to contact staff members in Gaza and the lack of Internet service was keeping aid from people in need. However, the global Internet monitor NetBlocks said today Gaza was finally starting to get back online. A retired Chicago priest is being removed from ministry over a sexual abuse claim. 
The Archdiocese of Chicago received the allegation against Father William Colleen last week. The victim said the abuse happened about 40 years ago at St. Patricia Parish in Hickory Hills. Father Colleen denies that claim. The forecast from the WGN Chicago Weather Center. Cloudy today and showers likely, especially in the afternoon, a high around 47. A chance of showers early tonight and then clearing and getting colder. In fact, we have a freeze warning in effect at midnight tonight, running until 9 tomorrow morning. Below near or below freezing overnight. Sunny and colder tomorrow, a high of 42, 46 at O'Hare. I'm Dave Schwan, WGN News. Next news when it happens, next scheduled news at 11 o'clock. Getting all set for Halloween, we're going to shift gears a little bit and uh, talk a little theater. Uh, nice of you to get into the pre-holiday spirit, though, already, Schwani. That's a great costume you have on top. Uh, oh, my, oh my wait, sorry, one. that's your regular clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till next week. Same mask as last Just year. Just wait till next week. <laughs> I'm going dressed as... Uh, maybe I'll do that next week. I'll come dressed as you. <laughs> That'll be my and Halloween costume. how do you costume. go about doing that? Putting an I Voted sticker on my <laughs> shirt for and leaving it there for six months. I just wanted to let people know that I was involved in the that voting would process. Be such a fantastic Halloween costume <laughs> as we come dressed like the rest of us as each other. That would be good. <laughs> oh, wow. Wee. Um, you know what I, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, people are getting ready for Halloween with decorations and candy and all that. I love a good spooky story. And you know, who gave us some of the best spooky stories of all time? Edgar Allan Poe, right? Yes, indeed. There is an Edgar Allan Poe show that is going to be performed in uh, several theaters around the Chicago area this coming week. Wanted to bring your attention to uh, a show that is going to be performed uh, several times around the Chicago area. Uh, that you know, just as uh, like quintessential spooky, an uh, evening with Edgar Allan Poe. It's going to be performed at several locations around the Chicago area, and stars as Edgar Allan Poe, Alistair Morley Jacques who uh, joins us on the phone line right now. Alistair, thank you for joining us on WGN today. Nice to have you with us. Hi, Dean. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, I understand that you have been uh, playing Edgar Allan Poe for like a dozen years now, something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been on uh, 14 years now, actually. 14. Uh, first developed the show, yeah. Quite a ways away. And uh, tell us... You know, how this whole thing started, your attraction uh, to Poe. I mean, I think his stories are, uh, you know, magical and creepy and yeah, scary. But uh, how did how did you get uh, so deeply involved with this? Well, uh, like a lot of kids who are, shall we say, a weird or a theatrical bent, I uh, discovered the stories of Poe rather early on. I had an immediate attraction to them. They're always there, kind of like in the back of my psyche, kind of like how he lingers in the back of the psyche or literary consciousness of America. And um, but it really wasn't really until I started, you know, working towards being a professional actor or you know working at being a professional actor that you know he came to 
take over my life and career in the way that he did. And a lot of that has to do with uh, Hal Holbrook. Are you familiar with his Mark Twain tonight? Oh, of course, yes. When I saw that, I saw that live. I was I was one of those blessed audience members who actually got to see Kyle Holbrook do his Mark Twain tonight, and I certainly thought, well, there's I, I could never be of the caliber of actor that Kyle Holbrook was, but I at least saw that he's been working consistently for over it's been over forty years by that point, and it was just kind of like one man, one text, an American literary icon, and you know he was already Mark Twain. And of all the things I could go through in my mind about the only two, you know, literary icons I could reasonably impersonate would be either William Faulkner or Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. And Poe's decidedly more iconic. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it, it uh, kind of, uh, kind of, of course, apparently really took over your life. I'm told, mm-hmm. that, I'm told that you live in a bell tower in a church in downtown Portland. That could not be more pole like to me. Apparently not. It, and that wasn't even intentional. That was just uh, that was just a good gig and uh it, it sort of intersected aesthetically with uh with, with, with what I tend to at least partially do for a living. So yeah. That's uh, it's very I cool. think Poe would have felt very at home there too. Yes, it, it, it was probably better than most places he ever lived. Yeah. I mean, he he didn't see the nearly the measure of success in his life that he deserved, and so he had to live a number of different places throughout his life. But yes, I'm based out of Portland, Oregon, and uh, for the time being, out of a bell tower. Yeah, with bells and everything. So, so this uh, the show that you're doing, an evening with Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, what is it? Mm-hmm. That, what is it that you do during the show? I, it's a, kind of an attempt to duplicate something that Edgar Allan Poe was doing in the last years of his life, where he would actually do public lectures and readings um, of his of his more well-known works. Uh, the content which I choose, of course, I make appropriate for Halloween or, shall we say, for a contemporary audience. And so, you know, Poe comes out and it seems like he's going to give a lecture on um, the theory of poetry and the you know the state of American letters, he was really well known as a literary critic and a book reviewer during his lifetime. But then I it's kind of a bait and switch. Then I just kind of like go in and do the scary stuff that Poe is probably <laughs> best known and most beloved for yeah. uh, this time of year. And so it's really not a uh, show about one character, one person. It's kind of like a show about a body of work. Yeah. I play Edgar Allan Poe briefly, but also when I do, when, for example, when I do the uh, Telltale Heart, I become the narrator of that. And uh, at no point does Poe say anything uh, of, a, of, shall we say, an overtly educational nature. It's all for the entertainment and shock value that we're going for. Because, you know, when it's a Halloween show, that's what the buying takes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to be doing the show uh, Monday at Volumes Book Cafe in Wicker Park. And then uh, Tuesday on Halloween, you'll be at Guthrie's on uh, yeah. West, West Addison Street, uh, right near Wrigley Field. So a uh, couple of opportunities to see you. Before uh, before we uh, say goodbye here, I wonder, we have about a minute left. Uh, can you give us uh, just a little taste of some Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, yeah, maybe a little telltale heart. Now, now, this is the point. You fancy me back. <laughs> Madmen know nothing. You should have seen me. You should have seen how wisely I proceeded with what caution, with what foresight, with what dissimulation I went to work. I was never kinder to that old man than during that whole week 
before I killed him. That is, that's that is Poe. That's kind of a setup for what it's a show. It's that, a direct quote from Edgar Allan Poe. De- definitely like very Poe. It's Alistair Morley Jacques. Uh, again, you yeah. can see him at uh, Volumes Book Cafe in Wicker Park on Monday, tomorrow, and then Tuesday, Halloween at Guthrie's uh, on West Addison Street in Chicago. Uh, Alistair, thank and you. Tickets for... will be on Eventbrite. Okay, very good, very good. Enjoy your morning in your uh, your tower, your church tower, where you are. <laughs> when I get back to Portland, I when you get okay, when you, you get back to Portland, that's right. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Ten forty four. Our weekend theater continues next. And we continue now talking about something special that's coming up uh, at the Goodman Theater. Uh, Goodman is uh, presenting six new plays uh, written by teenage playwrights in response to uh, gun violence. Uh, Sadly, a very timely topic again here in the United States. It'll all be uh, at the Goodman Theater and across multiple cities uh, nationwide on Monday November the 6th, exactly one year before the 2024 presidential election, uh, the, uh, the, the total event is called Enough Plays to End Gun Violence, which will be uh, a winning selection of six 10-minute plays that uh, were written for the event. And one of them is called Lightning Strike. Uh, it is directed by our guest, Nina Arndt, who joins us uh, on the telephone. Nina, welcome to WGN. Hello. Hi, good morning. So uh, tell us, uh, just in a general sense, about uh, the uh, nationwide event itself, Enough, Plays to End Gun Violence. Yeah, so this is a nationwide competition. Uh, This year there were 244 submissions uh, from young people from 36 states. Um, and so six winners were chosen. Uh, the selection panel was a group of very distinguished playwrights. Uh, so they read all of those submissions and chose these really extraordinary uh, six 10-minute plays uh, written by youth from, from all over the country. Um, and on November 6th, uh, 59 different organizations around the country are presenting readings of these plays. So the Goodman is one of those 59 organizations. Um, And some of those organizations are uh, educational uh, organizations. Some are professional theaters. Some are community theaters. So it's a lot of different people uh, sort of coming together at that moment in time uh, at all of our different locations around the country and, um, uh, exploring enjoying these these works by young people on that evening it must be especially uh, poignant i would think to hear uh, some of the messages that will be presented that night uh, given that these are uh, teenage playwrights uh, and their perspectives on this insidious problem that we have of you know gun violence which continues right. that we yes. just just saw yeah. played out again in uh, in maine this week Yes, and of course, these playwrights were all born post-Columbine, so they have grown up in a world where, you know, they have drills in school, uh, you know, sort of in case this happens at at their school. Uh, You always hope it won't, but uh, unfortunately, it has been a reality for, for many young people. So we're really excited to elevate their voices and to hear 
their perspective. Yeah, it's a it's a you know a, a completely different kind of perspective from people who were born into a world of this kind of violence and don't you know a lot of us go well it was never like that back when i was a kid these are kids that have only known when what it was like and to have these practice drills of evacuation and you know what to do if a shooter comes in your classroom or you know these kinds of things these horrible stories that we hear uh, all of the time now the the story that you've directed is called lightning strike it's written by Amanda, yes. Amanda Fagan. What can you tell us about yes. that? Um, so that particular play is it's about a young woman uh, who survived a school shooting um, when she was young. And then we see her at a few different points in her life. So we can sort of see how the shooting affects her over the years. So not just on the day it happened, uh, but it's kind of about how uh, violence ripples throughout a person's life as opposed to being, you know, one isolated incident. Uh, so Amanda has really captured something uh, quite beautiful and, and poignant about that. Yeah. Now, are these, is this a, a one-person production? Uh, you know, one, one person? Uh, that one is, that play is, is one person. Um, for the six plays together, we have an, uh, an incredible ensemble of seven actors and so they are playing all the ro- roles in all the plays so some plays have more roles and some plays are, are have a little bit of a smaller cast yeah okay all right uh can you tell us a little bit about some of the other of the 10 minute productions that'll be going on that night yeah so some of the other ones are uh there's a wonderful play called uh, a call for help uh by uh the playwright pepper fox um and in that play uh, we see a lot of different people calling 911. Um, and also we see uh, folks on the receiving end of those 911 calls. Um, so it's kind of uh, about the beginning of an emergency. And it also explores um, kind of different sorts of gun violence. One of the people calling for help is um, sort of barricaded in a hotel room and not quite sure what's going on. Uh, so it's calling nine one one. So it's it's showing us kind of the different ways that um, that gun violence can can come into our lives. Uh, a very different play uh, by Valentine Wolf uh, called "The Matter at Hand," uh, in which we see some school administrators trying to figure out how to deal with this problem of gun violence. But um, that that play actually has a little bit of humor in it. Uh, so the school administrators are um, not very effectual, <laughs> I would say. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then uh, Sam Lee Victor's play, A Disorderly House, uh, which is actually about two parents uh, who are cleaning out their child's dorm room after uh, we are to presume their, their child has been a, a victim of gun violence. So those, those are just a few of them. Well, that, that, I mean, I, I can't even imagine... Uh, you know, a, a story that would rip your heart out more than from the perspective of a, a, a parent who loses a child to a school shooting, and then are you know they go they go to the dorm room to uh, pick up the things and are are faced with the things that brought the child to life, which is you know no longer going to be. Uh, right. How how uh, right. how heart wrenching that must be to to see that. Um, 
but uh, what what perspectives? Wow! Uh, and all right, from, they, they all really from, are. They're coming at it from such different angles, yeah. uh, which is, I think, the strength of the you know the six plays put together is that they're also different. Yeah, and I think the, the thing I love is that these are teenage playwrights. These are, you know from the from the mouths of uh, babes, uh, you know, come these very poignant stories. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's uh, what makes this uh, so very interesting to me. Uh, this is all going to be taking place November the 6th, correct? Correct. Correct. Uh, at the uh, Goodman Theater. Uh, let's see here. November 6th, 7.30 p.m. Uh, tickets and info at goodmantheater.org. And, uh, correct. And uh, yeah. again, it's called uh, Enough Plays to End Gun Violence. Six ten-minute plays authored by teen writers. Uh, it sounds like a really interesting project. I'm glad you could join us today, Nina, to uh, explain a little bit more about it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you, and we'll update news, get the latest on all the things that are going on in the world right now. Wow. Uh, all coming up next. Yeah, now explain this to me, because uh, Hamp and OB are not on... Until tonight, right? Correct. At what time? Uh, we're starting at 6 tonight. 6 o'clock. So now what are you going to do between now and 6 o'clock? Uh, I'm going to go home and uh, play with Otis the dog for a little while and do a little Halloween activities in our neighborhood, and then I'm going to come back. What does that mean? Yeah. Halloween activities. Oh, uh, our little community Are you has, going trick-or-treating? No, our community has uh, something for the, all the kids and some of the adults as well. Mm. I heard of a place that was uh, giving out candy to the kids and jello shots to the grown-ups. Wow. That's not bad. I'll tell you what, that would make people want to take their kids out trick-or-treating a little more. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So you're going to get all uh, sugared up. Yeah, and then uh, come here and, and then uh, come back and, uh, and watch some football with uh, the legends. Right. And talk about hopefully a Bears win. Uh, but in the meantime, though, at 1130 today, the Rams uh, at Dallas? Correct. That'll be uh, game one of our doubleheader today, and that will be followed by the Cleveland Browns facing the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. And, Schwanty, what are your predictions for those two games? Oh, I think they'll be good. They'll be just fine. <laughs> Wouldn't be a Sunday without that prediction. Definitely. This is like the NFL today when you Schwanty gives us the analysis. <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to ESPN. Well, I think everyone will play very well. <laughs> and some won't play very well. Some will wear <laughs> they'll wear helmets. I think they'll I'm predicting they will wear helmets today. There will be a football involved. <laughs> this is the kind of incisive analysis that you'll be able to get live next Sunday out at Tree Time. Oh, that's right. Uh on Pepper Road. It's our annual big Tree Time show one week from today. Starts at nine o'clock in the morning. We'll be on on the radio from nine to eleven, and then Hamp, Ob, and Andy eleven to twelve on the radio, mm-hmm. and then we go to Facebook Live. So not only will you be able to listen to the show, you'll be able to watch it. If you go to the WGN Radio page or to uh, my Facebook page, uh, Dean Richards WGN, Dean Richards WGN, or the WGN Radio page. Uh, you'll be able to uh, actually see what's going on. Uh, and that's where we're going to do uh, some fun things. And then we come back on the radio again uh, at 12 o'clock. And that's where we're going to have the wedding vow renewals. Uh, we're going to have the performers who are going to be at the production of uh, Beautiful, 
a Carol King musical out at the Marriott Lincolnshire. Uh, they're going to stop by and they're going to perform for us. Uh, the actress who plays Carol King is going to do a song. And there are, are four singers who play the Drifters in that show. Shawana, you remember the Drifters? Yes, I do. Up on the Roof. Yes, I do. The original up version up of Up on the Roof. Uh, they're going to uh, perform uh, for us as well. We've got the Canterbury Carolers, uh, even though we're nowhere near Christmas. Uh, it's been a tradition that they uh, come out and join us, and they'll perform. We'll have lots of uh, surprises. I was uh, I was hoping we could, you know, in that 11 o'clock hour, because we're going to be on Facebook Live, and it's visual, mm-hmm. we can do visual things there in that hour. I was kind of hoping that uh, Shawnee during that hour would be OB 2.0. The entire <laughs> entire hour. I bet he. I bet he could be convinced too. Uh, it's either Schwani two point Bradovich or yeah. yeah. It doesn't yeah. take much to push Schwani into his OB. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Boy, I wish they were playing today. It's going to be too late at night. They're going to be too tired. Yeah, how's that going to work out for these guys? <laughs> they're going to come in at six o'clock, yeah. and then there's the game. Yeah, what time is post game? Is going to be like eleven uh, o'clock, ten thirty to twelve thirty. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Come on, <laughs> that's too much. We're going to hand it off to Bob Surratt in the morning. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Especially if the game goes into overtime, right? Uh-huh. Well, we'll come up with. You know what I would love is, I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see someone come in and. Uh, lip sync a Taylor Swift song. Oh. I like to get on the Taylor Swift bandwagon as much as I possibly can. If you have a grandchild, a child who can you know sing and dance, you know or lip lip sync. You know we'll play a song and they can lip sync to it. Uh, but because it's going to be on Facebook Live, people will be able to actually see it. I think that would be fun. Or Shawnee, if you want to dress up in sequins, like Taylor, <laughs> wouldn't be the first time for you in sequins. <laughs> The now famous theme song from the TV show Friends, I'll Be There For You. On this very sad occasion, the uh, announcement of the death of actor Matthew Perry played Chandler Bing on the show and, and appeared in all 234 episodes of the show from 1994 to 2004, as well as numerous other television roles and uh, motion picture roles found dead in his jacuzzi uh, at his home just outside of the Los Angeles area last night. Uh, details about his death, uh, cause of death, etc., uh, not yet determined. Uh, that'll be after uh, toxicology tests, after uh, autopsies, uh, etc. So as you know, as we learn uh, more about it, but that's what we know right now. So much was revealed. In the book that he put out, um, ironically, uh, almost one year ago to the day, his book, uh, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing came out on November 1st of uh, last year. And uh, now we learn of his death, uh, you know, last night. Uh, He appeared, remember the uh, Friends reunion show? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, where he looked, um, you know, everyone was wondering, what's up with Matthew Perry? That was two years ago. That was in 2021. And, uh, you know, so much was revealed in this book about his drug use, his alcohol abuse. Uh, Diane Sawyer conducted uh, a really fascinating interview with him uh, in which she, you know, kind of summarized it all 
and talked with Matthew Perry about uh, what had gone on in his life. I wanted to play a little excerpt from that Diane Sawyer uh, interview just as uh, a little bit of perspective. It is the year 2000, and in an incredible feat, Matthew Perry now has the number one movie in America. The whole nine yards made with one of his screen heroes, Bruce Willis. It's been good. I'm glad we got to know each other. You know what? Me too. You can go now. Right. And at the same time the movie is soaring, he's still the star of the number one sitcom on TV. At the time, I should have been the toast of the town. Michael J. Fox did it. He had the number one TV show, the number one movie, but I think it's just us. And I was in a dark room meeting with nothing but drug dealers and completely alone for months. The spiral into prescription drugs has begun. He has a memory of the first pill as indelible as the first teenage drink long ago. And I was doing fine this afternoon. He was making a movie called Fools Rush In, and during a lunch break, he was playing around on a jet ski, has an injury. He's given a pill for the pain and says it was like warm honey entering his veins. I swear to God, I think if I'd never taken it, none of the next three decades would have gone the way they did. Who knows? But when I woke up, 40 more pills had been delivered to my house. They were Vicodin. He tells himself maybe he can curb his drinking if he uses pills to tame his fear and self-doubt. More pills of many kinds that take over with a vengeance. I'd been taking something like 12 a day and then went cold turkey one day and felt absolutely terrible. Because addiction is the obsession of your mind. Now give me everything you gave me before and more. That's what happens. His body has built up such a tolerance. He takes more pills to stave off withdrawal, and then horrifyingly more. 55, like in a day, which is where I was. 55? Yeah. How did you get 55 a day? Well, I had to wake up and realize that I needed to get 55 of them, or I was going to be really sick. So I did all sorts of things. I had a bunch of doctors, fake migraines and all that stuff. You take MRIs? I did take MRIs. Just to get the pills? Yeah, there was nothing wrong with me. Um, And I guess the weirdest thing I did was on Sundays I would go to open houses and go to the bathrooms in the the open house and see what pills they had in there and steal them. And I think they thought, well, there's no way that Chandler came in and stole from us. And so seven years into Friends, his double life is about to spin out of control. He goes off to make a movie called Serving Sarah. He is even on the treatment drug methadone to stave off withdrawal from Vicodin. But he's doubling down on everything else. But you're on methadone, Xanax, full quart of vodka day? Mm-hmm. At one point, a doctor shows up. I had drunk a party-sized bottle of vodka, the one with the handle on it. When the doctor looked around the room, he saw the bottle and said in a nervous voice, Did you drink all of that? Yes, I said. May I have the Valium every four hours, not every six? With that, he turned tail and ran top speed down the spiral staircase 
and out the door, presumably so he wouldn't actually be in the room if Matthew Perry died. Disaster on the movie set. Perry is now incapacitated by all the drugs and alcohol. The whole movie has to shut down. Nurse, did you bring the tools? Later, he has to dub in the lines when he's sober. She forgot the tools. <laughs> Can't really do anything without the tools. I slurring my dialogue. It's shot in Dallas, and I was doing Friends at the same time. So doubled my workload. And I was flying on a private jet, drinking vodka out of a water bottle, yeah. A girlfriend says something that startles him. I think you're disappearing. And then I went, oh. Oh, oh, stop everything. I'm going to rehab right now. Stop the movie, stop everything. His father and mother have been worried for years, and at this point his father steps in to make sure his son will spend a full 90 days in rehab. First, that grueling detox, and a past one he had a grandma seizure. Detox is hell. Detox is lying in bed, watching the seconds go by, my insides feel like they're trying to crawl out of my body. I'm shaking and sweating. I'm begging like a child for any kind of medication that will help ease the symptoms. Yeah, I mean, detox is hell. You know, there is a hell. I know it. I can, it has tangible features. I can describe it. And I would make the decision to have like five, six hours of being high and knowing that six days of that was coming. And I would make that decision over and over and over again. Back on the set, everyone so afraid for the friend who's in a giant battle. Lisa writes in your foreword that they wanted so much to do the right thing, but they didn't know what it was. They didn't know if there was something they could have said, should have done. That was the truth for my family, too, and me. In 2004, I asked Jennifer Aniston about all her colleagues, including Matthew, whose struggle had become public, as his friends grappled, too. What doesn't Matthew know? That he's all right. We didn't know. We, you know... We weren't equipped. We weren't to, to deal with it. You know, nobody had ever dealt with with that. And you know, the idea of even losing him or so. Now, let's go back and look again to something we were seeing on screen, but never fully recognized. Matthew Perry clearly changing from season to season, signaling something is wrong. He writes this in his book. You can track the trajectory of my addiction if you gauge my weight from season to season. When I'm carrying weight, it's alcohol. When I'm skinny, it's pills. He writes about the scenes that remind him how he was just barely holding on. He needed the pills to function, but the pills destroy appetite and cause deep nausea. I ask him if it was okay for us to look at one of those scenes together. Sure a scene in which he is painfully thin, shirt hanging off his body. Wait a minute, I know that hat. I was taken aboard that hat. <laughs> they did experiments on me. I can't have children. Seriously, where did you get the hat? Yeah, of course, uh, it's very hard to watch that. Um, 
because in this weird way I feel I feel sorry for that guy um, because that's a guy that's out of control I didn't know what was going on with me I weighed 155 pounds on my way to 128 pounds I feel too sorry for that guy he's going through too much and it's me and I remember that yeah an excerpt from the Diane Sawyer interview that was about a year ago Uh, Matthew Perry talking about uh, his book that had just come out in which he reveals this uh, horrible horrible addiction and uh, what he was going through uh, now compounded with the news uh, from last night of his death uh, we will not know the cause of death for quite some time till uh, you know results come out uh, so we'll uh, you know stay on top of the story in the meantime all kinds of reaction from friends from fans uh, about Matthew Perry we will uh, stay on the story and report it to you here on WGN radio and I'll have more tomorrow on uh, WGN-TV Morning News.